You know, he says, you know, he's talking about these three things, race, right? And unjust, unjust economic systems, usury, right? Right? And and women, and don't treat you. And he says these three things. Now, why would the prophet say these things 23 years later, right? Because his vision, these things will still trouble you. These things will still be difficult for you. These things aren't just things for the Muslims. These things are challenging the whole world. Welcome to Candid Insights. I'm your host, Sahil Badruddin, and today we have with us Imam Khalil Abdullah, Assistant Dean at the Office of Religion and Muslim Chaplain at Princeton University. Imam Khalil, good to have you with us. It's good to be with you. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Let's begin by talking about your work at Princeton University. What are some of the joys and difficulties of your work? And what are some of the challenges the youth are facing today, both socially and religiously? I'll try to spend a little bit of time on on each. I am fortunate to be the Assistant Dean for Muslim Life at Princeton University. That's my fancy title. Most would would refer to me as the Muslim chaplain. Mm -hmm. I work with mostly Muslim students. Uh, Of course, you mentioned that I work in the office of religious life. Uh, And so the building, the physical building that we share is also shared by different faith communities, uh, students of various faith traditions. Uh, And so it allows me the opportunity to not only work with Muslim students, but also work occasionally with others and certainly interact and engage with them and uh, also provide the opportunities and the space for our students to engage across difference and with each other. Figuring out what conversations to have with our students, um, what uh, ways they can learn Islam, uh, what ways they can learn about the world around them, not only sort of globally and internationally in the ways that we do at Princeton and other schools, but the neighborhoods around them, more underserved, uh, less privileged spaces that, uh, that oftentimes we don't get to. There are a lot of gaps that I think chaplains can sort of step back, pay attention to in our students' learning experiences. As a Muslim chaplain, I feel somewhat responsible for helping my students learn Islam or at least begin their steps, their journey toward learning uh, uh, with firm feet. Or if you're not a convert like I was at 19, a sophomore in college, where my world became about how much I could learn uh, Islam. Uh, But it was also about my own individual journey that I think happens at this point in your life, in your youth, where you begin to ask deeper questions about identity, about belonging, about purpose, trying to make sense of of where you fit into the rest of the world. And so I was grappling with those things as a biracial young man in in the university space, 
thinking about religion, thinking about African-American history and, 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 you know, hip hop had a lot of consciousness and empowerment. And Mm -hmm. it also allowed me to be exposed to poetry and writers and, 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 and other forms of, of, of expression that gave me a sense of self or journey to authenticity, trying to discover who we are, that fingerprint, that unique fingerprint that I lost mentions. I've been thinking about this as well, is that, you know, people have been saying that there's been also a, a shift in terms of how people think about children, how people think about youth as well, right? And because of these, some of these challenges, uh, they're like, what a world that we live in. And, uh, you know, it's scary. How do we raise kids in this world with such shifting uh, social tides, moral tides, and as such. And it actually reminds me of something you would say about how during the prophet's lifetime, the way he shifts the the Qibla, right? The the Qibla of the people. Yes. Where it's yeah. not it's not the physical orientation he shifts, but he shifts the the Qibla of their heart, yes, of their, of their intellectual mind. Yeah, yeah, if you want to share some thoughts on that. You know, when people say back to you what you said at some point it always sounds better than i think when you say it you know you've had some time to 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 piece it together you know uh uh so thank you but when you were speaking i was thinking obviously about you know uh, the story that so many of us when we think of our youth go to and this is the surah al-kaf we read every friday and obviously there is some story some narrative about young people about youth uh, uh, you get some sense of youth with Musa as well. The story of Musa and Akhidr, there's a, a young uh, person there. Yeah, please, please share some of these stories. In, in, in the Quran, in the 18th chapter of, of, of the Quran, the Muslim holy book or text, a chapter called the cave, Al-Kaf in Arabic. The cave sort of even now for us gives us some sense of retreating. You know, some some refuge, some sense of safety, you know. And I think that that for many of our parents, of our imams, of our community leaders, our educators, we sort of think about even our children, our youth in these sort of terms and wanting to also in turn raise them to be able to recognize some of the challenges, uh, but be people of faith, essentially, uh, who can uh, who cannot sort of stay in the in the the cave right but also actually go out with new worlds mm-hmm. new times new people right but with 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 the same heart that we're, we're we're hoping that all of us have had and that's the prophetic heart right uh but i do think there are ways in which we can raise our children uh there are ways in which we can engage our young people which requires first to listen, that we then can better help them leave the cave of of our protection and and go out into the world, right, with confidence and with faith uh, that will feel new to them, right, feels new to us, right? Uh, and they might get looked at sort of strangely, right? Like those young people. I know I'm I'm not telling the whole story. So I like you've asked me to forgive me. Uh, these young boys sort of found themselves uh, uh, in a difficult and challenging time. And so they retreated uh, uh, into a cave. And then 
the 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 narration goes that that somehow they slept for many many years centuries even then came alive uh, and were able to then go out uh, and into the world that was new while they themselves appeared to others uh, with their old clothes and um is the reaction of the people when they the, do the reaction of the people you know uh, but the, the the point of this story though is really uh the world will have its challenges uh but but it but how faithful can one be mm -hmm. you know in 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 a challenging world uh um and and i think we find that and 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 in doing so come back to my students and come back to 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 the community that i serve uh, a fear to do wrong more than enthusiasm to do good, but also with uh, the sort of double consciousness that great African-American, a Black sociologist and, and philosopher W.E.B. Du Bois spoke of, that Black folk were weighed down, a sort of, you know, working through the, the burden of not being, not being American or but being black and the sort of identities in which the sort of double consciousness, where do I fit in? Where do I belong? It's hard stuff that our students are working through and mm -hmm. where, where religion is, is, is tied into politics and all that sort of thing, you know? Um, again, uh, they can be responses to, right. What's happening in the world rather than, you know, uh, us thinking about what most of us in our experience where we went through public schools, right? Mm -hmm. We, we right. did that, right? And, and, and what our responsibilities as good citizens might be to making sure that that public school in my neighborhood or down the street or, you know, is what it should be for not just my child, but for all of these children in the neighborhood, right? That's the Muslim. That's the so there's there's a thing, right? We, we, I don't want to see Muslims also shunning public schools. Uh, we kind of we get on that that side of the political. Public schools are well. Public schools are what they are, partly because we're not involved. We've abandoned them like everyone else, right? Mm -hmm. And we know that our prophet didn't bring private education. He brought public education. He had education for all people, male and female, black and white, poor and rich. It's a little bit of a critique. Um, but I also think connecting our children, our youth to nature, slowing down and, and, and connecting our ourselves to the world around us also is very therapeutic. It's also very healing. Uh, uh, it's also... Uh, uh, um, very spiritual. I, I could go on and on about about nature. It feels out of place to even say those sorts of things in in the sort of machinery world that we live in. It shouldn't you know, be, you know, and that we sort of work through. And you're right, right? It shouldn't be. It, it 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 probably is on every other page of the Quran. Some reference to the world around us. Some insects. Some thing in creation. Something you know that that turns our attention to. Uh, other than ourselves, mm -hmm. <laughs> you and see, it's a signpost almost to God, right? Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. And 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 thank you for saying that, Sahil, because I think being aware of of the places that we're in, only in sort of sitting down and being textual mm -hmm. today, right? And so, 
realizing that not all knowledge comes from our shayuch and and working on that double working on that 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 sort of as Du Bois says that feeling feels like it's about to tear one apart. It's about to tear feeling like I, I don't know where I belong. Do I hear there? What how do I act? Who, there's all these things. And I think that that while we want to point out to the challenges that are around us, this moral child, this here, there, I think the biggest challenge is within. Mm. I think the biggest challenge, the biggest jihad is within. And we know that Allah is not going to change our condition until we change what is troubling our own souls. Exactly. To a point that you made earlier about the places that we are in and how do we include the youth in those spaces? And how do we become more welcoming, more hospitable, um, more joyous, you know, as you say? Um, how do we include women at the heart of that process? How do we... Uh, how do we open doors? How do we, and what what have you seen successful at Princeton? Thank you for the substance of your question. I appreciate you, Sahil. Thank you. About next steps, that this coming year, uh, my third year at Princeton in this role, will celebrate 15 years of the Muslim Life Program at Princeton. And wow. The Muslim Life Program at Princeton, it's really one of the first uh, my dear friend, uh, uh, Chaplain Omar Bajwa at Yale, mm-hmm. uh, also longstanding uh, yes. chaplain, uh, uh, really a chaplain for the chaplains uh, as uh, uh, my predecessor. And here's his longtime friend, um, Imam Soheb Sultan. Uh, may mm-hmm. God be pleased with him and rest his soul. Uh, follow in his footsteps. Work at maintaining and creating new ways, thinking together with my students and community about how we can be more of what he encouraged each community to be. And I don't think that this was ever intended to 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 be a framework for chaplaincy spaces or for campus spaces. He was really offering this uh, um, as encouragement, and as a visionary Mm. for our communities. What are the five things each community should be, be better at these things? And uh, those are, every community should be welcoming. What does it mean? What does it look like? What does it sound like? Five senses, what does it feel like? What What does it taste like? To be welcoming. Every community should be diverse. So what does it mean to work at diversity, to make your place feel more diverse, to taste more diverse, to sound more diverse? Now we're getting into programming, right? Now we're thinking about, right? Uh, uh, We can't serve, which is our tradition to serve samosas after Juma every Friday. But if we're thinking about diversity, we have to, and being welcoming, right? We have to think about who else is in the community other than, you know, I'm, my mother's white, my father's black. You know, I, I, I love a good samosa, you know, but I also lo- love, you know, some other stuff, you know, and, and, and as do others who are in the community, right? Who, who, if we were to serve samosas every Friday, right? 
And we haven't been good at figuring this out. But if we were to serve every Friday and not every now and then break it up with something from this country and from this culture and from that, right? If we don't do that, then those students and others who are in that space will begin to feel unseen. They might not say it to me. They may not say it to me, but they may say it to their friend. They may say, they always, they never think about us. They never, right? If we have the molid and we're only inviting koali, we're only inviting, you know, a certain sorts of, right? And we don't start to think about, well, what does a jazz koali or what does a jazz molid, pardon me, sound like? What do, you know, what does a hip hop molid sound like? Or what does, you know, what, how do we, how do we begin to think about uh, uh, or think with the sensibilities of our young people, the, the sort of knowings of our young people, who they are, you know, you know, thinking about that. And how do we bridge worlds? How do we, how do we, how do we, in cuisine, they call it fusion, right? How do you fuse worlds, right? To create new things, right? I think that that's the opportunity that I have as a chaplain. And I encourage other chaplains, right? To not think about their spaces like mosque, but to think about their spaces like creative, you know, places, to, just like the same space you occupy. Mm -hmm. to, to push, to, to, to think anew and to be challenged and try things, right? You're at a research institution, try things. If it doesn't work, that's totally fine. Do something different, right? <laughs> Programs right. Have, have what Imam Soheib would say, have a shelf life, right? So, you know, uh, thinking about being welcoming and what that looks like, thinking about being diverse, even in our programming, right? We, we have to bring different sorts of speakers, different, you know, it can't just be even in the disciplines that we bring. We can't just bring everyone, all the professors who study Near Eastern studies, right? Islamic study. You know, we got also bring someone who's studying engineering. You study why? Because my students are doing the same thing or who's studying medicine or architecture. We've got to, we've got to do those sorts of sorts of things. The third is to be joyous. Imam Sohaib described it as molids, singing, maybe dancing. We know that the prophet uh, approved and allowed of that because we read where Aisha and he would look at the Ethiopians dancing or doing their, you know, celebratory things around Eid or what have you. So dancing, you know, uh, uh, um, because we know that's part of our cultures, whether we say it, we might not do it in the mosque, but that's why I'm not in the mosque, right? That's why I'm where I'm at. So we can dance, mm -hmm. you know. Like 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 we do, right? So uh, you, he, he so he said and drink tea. You like tea? I would add and, and really good coffee, right? So you know you know so be joyous, right? Uh, be able to 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 really lean in, right? To to the to the spirituality uh, uh, of of Islam and all of its sort of expressions, right? Um, the the fourth uh, is that we should we should be purposeful. We should be purpose-driven, compassionate community, that, that we should be people who are, and to use his words, who are clothing the naked, who are feeding the hungry, who are caring for the refugee, right? And extend that to, to whatever needs are in your home, in your state, in your city, whatever it might be in your neighborhood, right? Uh, again, you know, this goes back, right? All these things that feel like some sort of structure for me and for the community are, are ways in which we should be helping our young people 
to, to be welcome, a welcoming, you know, hospitality is important in our, in our community, in our culture, right? To be hospitable, right? Sometimes we're too hospitable, right? We feed you till you like, hey, you know, I don't want any more food or any more this or that, right? We love to be hospitable people. It's part of who we are. It's Abrahamic, right? It's a welcoming into the tent. It's these sorts of things. So how do we help our young people learn the skills of hospitality and being welcoming and being welcoming to people in their spaces? How do we teach them to acknowledge diversity and engage in diversity, right? Again, we how do our mosques do these things better, right? How do, how do our centers how do our communities do this better? The, so, so, the, so the fourth is to be purpose-driven. So serve. How do we engage? You know, how do we serve our communities and, and teaching our young people to, to think about being service-oriented? And then finally, uh, the, 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 the last is, is to remember that, that we all come to Islam through many doors, to be mindful of the width and the breadth of our community. Um, uh, and again, I think that this goes back to some of the earlier comments that I said in terms of like how we're defining and who's defining what it is to be a Muslim or what it looks like to be a Muslim or what it sounds like to be a Muslim in America. Mm. Uh, uh, I, I think I think that that takes more work, more conscious work than 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 I think oftentimes we're willing to give. One, on a personal level, helping my students realize what door they're going to enter Islam through. And oftentimes that means helping them understand where are they going, where do they want to go in life? Mm. Right? How, where do they want to go and who do they want to be? Who we are and the world around us. And we go into a cave, right? We do spend some time, think about those things. And then ultimately, when we give some time to thinking the hard work of thinking about who we want to be, the world around us, and how do I fit into all of this stuff? At the, at the same time, now, how are you going to walk into that door faithfully? Mm -hmm. How are you going to do that, right? I, I, I will be quiet after this, but I made Umrah recently for the first time in, in 30 years. And I realized that when you go to the Kaaba, when you go to Masjid al-Haram, there are many doors. There's not just one door. People are coming through different places, right? And they actually... The door here, this door, that door, right? Mm -hmm. And I do think that it's important that that we uh, we don't shut the door of Islam. I hope that echoes to to have a sort of open door policy. I need to use that language, right? And 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 what we've been able to to gain, right, from those who have walked into our space. Uh, you asked about women, and 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 if I don't say, I would feel I, I wouldn't feel good if I if I rambled on and, and didn't come back to that. Let me just say this: I think we have to make a conscious effort to have women and their voices more visible in our spaces. Um, good dads want to empower their daughters and give everything that they can to their daughters to go out into this world and be all that they can be. They need to see models before them doing the same thing. Mm -hmm. In public spaces, we have not, not because of me, but because of what was happening before I got to Muslim Life Program. Imam Soheib did two things that I think uh, were forward thinking, but not necessarily intended to be progressive in the that sort of language that one might use, you know, uh, sort of labeling, you know. Uh, uh, 
uh, it's progressive, but I, but Sohei was not trying to sort of do that, but he was being more practical. One, the way in which our Juma, our prayer space for Juma is arranged is that men and women sit side by side. There's a, there's a divider between the two, mm-hmm. but ultimately uh, they're side by side, right? Not men in the front, women in the back. Now, this came about mostly because of a concern that was brought to Imam Sohaib from women saying, you know, then, uh, it, it would, now one, we have a, the space isn't huge, right? It's not big. Also, like we don't, it's not our space, you know, which is a shared space. But their complaints were, you know, people would come in, it was a, a disruption and they were praying and maybe the sunnah and they just, it just it felt uncomfortable. It wasn't good for them. Right? Mm-hmm. So we do something about it. Right. Uh, this is, this is, uh, this is a concern that a chaplain might, might, and Imam might get this too. Maybe not. I don't know. But, you know, in these spaces, so like, can we think about this, Imam Soheib or Imam Khalil? Can we, is this something we can do? Can we, Soheib did his due diligence and read and studied and reached out and got good nasiha, good counsel and advice and all these things and 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 made the decision to 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 rearrange us in the way that we do now. We couldn't imagine now going back to any other way. Mm. That's important to note. Right. I agree. Very important. In terms of change and space and 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 sometimes challenging things, things that might feel out of place and out of tradition, but now we can't think of it being any other way. Mm. Other thing that Sohave did in what I call a sort of uh, a show of his moral courage. Uh, is that he started the tradition of having a sister give the dua after the prayer. So give the khutbah, make the prayer, invite a sister to, to close us out with dua, with a blessing, with a prayer to God. It's beautiful. People have written, professors have written chapters in their books about it. It's an amazing experience uh, to, to, to hear every week the prayers of a woman. If you really want to know the heart and the soul of a community, listen to the prayers of its mothers and mm-hmm. its grandmothers and its daughters. Listen to those prayers and you'll and you'll understand that community. Sometimes we have to do things, we have to push against boundaries when we know that it's right to 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 bring about the right conditions, you know, or the right situations or better situations for, for women, you know. Uh, I just think that we have too much in our prophetic model that shows the prophet pushing against social norms, against accepted norms, against social boundaries for women in a way that agitated men, made them uncomfortable. You know, us Muslims are willing to tackle the race thing. You know, we, we'll quote the prophet's last sermon. You know, he says, uh, you know, he's talking about these three things, race, right? And unjust, unjust economic systems, usury, right? Right? And and women, and don't treat you. And he says these three things. Now, why would the prophet say these things 23 years later, 23, right? Because his vision, these things will still trouble you. These things will still be difficult for you. These things aren't just things for the Muslims. These things are challenging the whole world. And I think that's a challenge. Yeah. No, Imam Khalil, thank you so much. Uh, this was this was great.
Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate your patience with me. I appreciate your trust. Mm -hmm. uh, and I hope that uh, if I've said anything that's wrong uh, um, or um, hurtful or harmful to anyone, uh, that God forgives me uh, and um, you're successful. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to today's episode with Candid Insights. If you enjoyed it, don't forget to subscribe or follow us on social media for updates on future episodes. If you've already subscribed, please leave us a rating or review. It does help new people find the podcast. I'm Sahil Badruddin, your host. And for a transcript of this interview and others, visit my website at sahilbadruddin.com. Mm-hmm.